You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Dr. Robin Ganser, and we're coming at you live today from Capitol Hill at a congressional briefing hosted by the Humane Bond Caucus. Today, we're discussing and uh, celebrating advances and pioneering research on cancer in children and animals to be outlined today, including a feature on development of new drugs and interventions involving animal genes and animal therapy, showcasing the remarkable power of connections between people and animals. Friends, did you know that more than 1.5 million Americans are diagnosed with cancer each year and 40,000 kiddos are in treatment for cancer at any given time? As part of the battle to fight this deadly scourge, researchers are traveling today to Capitol Hill to brief Congress on new advances and pioneering research, including the development of new drugs and innovative use of interventions involving animal genes and animal therapy. Scientists are here today discussing promising new avenues in cancer treatment arising from research on cancer in elephants who have many more times the number of cells than we do, but experience a much lower rate of cancer, as well as our remarkable study demonstrating how animal therapy with children can really help them face the battle of their lives, a cancer diagnosis. All of this is part of our special series of briefings that are hosted by the Congressional Humane Bond Caucus on important new research and policy developments on how, with our help, people and animals can improve each other's lives. Special shout-out and gratitude to the founding chairs of the Congressional Humane Bond Caucus, Congressman Gus Bilirakis from the great state of Florida and Congressman Henry Cuellar from the great state of Texas. Friends, We'll be right back after this brief message, and thank you so much for tuning in to this very special edition, live from Capitol Hill, on an incredible breakthrough, kids with cancer, animals with cancer, so much for us to learn. We'll be right back after this brief message. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free stews. The only pet food with Red Barn Bully Sticks. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Well, we just finished our congressional briefing on the healing power of the humane bond. The room is abuzz with all everything we heard, all these pioneering breakthroughs. And one of the biggest, most insightful things we learned today is how elephants could actually be the key in unlocking a cure for cancer. There are researchers in this country who are working after they've discovered that elephants get cancer at a rate much lower than humans. But the question remains, how do you 
have a population of elephants to to do this research. And so my next guest actually has is stepped up to the plate in a big, big way, and, and what she's done could actually help millions of Americans. I'm pleased to welcome Alana Feld, an executive VP and producer for Feld Entertainment. Thanks so much, Alana, for joining us. Thanks for having me. So talk a little bit about what your company is doing with this, with this study. Well, as the proud stewards of Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey, our family is very passionate about Asian elephants and about their conservation. So when we learned about research that could involve elephants and you know, possibly help children with cancer, we knew that we had to get involved. We have the largest herd of Asian elephants outside of Southeast Asia. So Dr. Schiffman, the researcher who's doing this incredible cancer research, has the ability to take blood samples. It's as simple as a blood sample from our elephants and understand understand why and how their low rate of cancer can be applied to humans and how that might help find a treatment or be part of a treatment for cancer. So how often is Dr. Schiffman at your facility working with your elephants? Well, he's been to our facility on a number of occasions, but he's actually in the lab most of the time. And so we take blood samples and we send them to him regularly. So he has many, many uh, blood samples. If you go to his lab, you can see all the different elephants that he has. And what he does is takes those samples and, you know, puts them on cancer cells. So, you know, he's learning so much every day. And I think for us, um, being so passionate about Asian elephants and having them around for the future to think that their legacy could be even greater now um, by this is is pretty remarkable. Yeah, talk a little bit about the Center for Elephant Conservation. As you mentioned, you guys are very passionate about helping elephants. So talk about what this center does for these these endangered animals. Well, our Center for Elephant Conservation is all about conservation. It has become very much a retirement center for our elephants, and as our elephants will be transitioning from Ringling Brothers, they will be moving there as well. So, you know, for a lot of our elephants, they're retired in Florida, um, like many individuals. They exercise, they, you know, hang out, they, you know, are part of our breeding program, and um, and now they're part of this research as well. Yeah, I know Robin has actually been there a number of times to the center, and she just, she raves about the wonderful treatment that you have for these animals because they, they truly deserve it and, and it's it's a way of, of keeping them keeping them alive and sustaining the population. Absolutely, and I think as we look to the future, um, we look to make it more of an educational facility as well. Um, we've started uh, programs where we Skype with classrooms around the country so that children can you know, see our Center for Elephant Conservation, they can learn from our animals, and we're just hoping to do more and more of that, hopefully have elephants around for a long time and um, and you know, share them with the world. And you showed a video today that just really, it was a wonderful animated video, broke down everything that you're doing. Is there somewhere where our listeners who weren't able to be in the room today could go see that video and learn more about the center? Yes. Uh, RinglingElephantCenter.com has a lot of information. We have uh, this video as well as the video on our further program, Working with Cancer Research, and um, just a lot of information. You can meet all of our elephants there. Um, so it's a great, great place to visit. I definitely encourage everyone to check it out because, as speaking for myself, elephants were always my favorite animals as a kid. So it's it's really heartwarming to know that they now could be lifesavers for millions of people around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alana. Thank you. We're coming at you live from the halls of Congress today from our congressional briefing. Our next guest is uh, one of America's foremost researchers on cancer and elephants. And he gave a speech today entitled, Do Elephants Hold the Key to Curing Cancer? 
Please welcome Dr. Joshua Schiffman, a pediatric oncologist at Intermountain Primary Children's Hospital and Huntsman Cancer Institute at the University of Utah. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hill today, Dr. Schiffman. Thanks for having me here. So talk a little bit about your research and, and what elephants, what kind of key elephants might hold in uh, unlocking the possible cure for cancer. Sure. This is one of the most exciting things that I've been involved with uh, for my entire medical career, both from a clinical perspective and also from a research perspective. We learned several years ago that uh, elephants almost never develop cancer, and what we learned was that that may actually be due to extra copies of genes that elephants have, uh, not the kind we wear, but the kind in our DNA, uh, that protect them from cancer. Humans have only two copies of a gene called P53. P53 is essential for preventing cancer from developing, and elephants, instead of two copies, they actually have 40 copies. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So talk a little bit about what we could possibly do with that discovery and how it could affect humans. Right. So what we, what we learned from this discovery is, well, these genes may actually be the reason why these elephants don't get cancer. And this actually is quite surprising if you think about the size of an elephant and how long an elephant lives. Elephants are 100 times the size of people and uh, often live 60, 70 years. That many cells in their body dividing over and over again for so many decades Almost all elephants should be developing cancer, and, and yet they, they rarely do. So standing besides us, these massive uh, creatures may have the secret to the cure for cancer one day, or maybe even the treatment for cancer, circulating through their blood. So what are the next steps in your research, uh, just how you, you and your colleagues are going to apply this to, for humans? Now is when it gets really very, very exciting. We are working uh, together with Ringling Brothers and Barton Bailey Circus and their Center for Elephant Conservation, as well as collaborators uh, in uh, Israel, Dr. Avi Schroeder from the Technion uh, Institute of Technology. And we are trying to figure out how do we get these elephant genes, these elephant P53 proteins, into people so that we can begin to start treating human cancers by taking advantage of the fact that these elephant P53 genes are so good at removing cancer cells and mutations as they begin to develop. So talk a little bit about uh, your practice in Utah, what you do as a, as a pediatric oncologist, and does this, does this research relate to, to when you're, you're working with, with kids? Yeah, this, one of the most exciting and rewarding parts of this uh, whole initiative and discovery is now when I'm sitting with families and we discuss the new diagnosis of cancer, uh, this is the most devastating thing you could tell to a parent or to a child. Yeah. And but that now for the first time we're able to say, "Hey, listen, you know, we're working to to treat your cancer and we're going to we're going to work hard and we're hopefully going to cure you. But did you know that elephants almost never get cancer and that we're working in the lab, we're working with Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus, we're working with our local zoos to try to understand why these elephants aren't getting cancer and how we can one day help you or other children. And suddenly, I've got to tell you, the whole mood in the room changes. It goes from being sad and you know anxious and scared to everyone's face lights up. Their giggles. Elephants? We love elephants. We love animals. We've got to get to the zoo to visit and learn more about elephants. We've got to go to the circus to see elephants. This is an amazing outcome of this, this bond now between elephants and cancer. I mean, can you think of a better reason to make sure that elephants don't go extinct 
Yeah, I mean, it's really a sad thing when you learn the statistics about the number of elephants who disappear from the earth every single day. And speaking personally, as a, as a kid, I love going to the zoo, and seeing the elephants were always my favorite animal. So when I read about this discovery that now elephants are not just wonderful creatures to look at and, and to, to learn about, it's, it's now they could actually be lifesavers for humans. It's remarkable. We, we have a saying that we, we uh, talk about quite a bit, and, and this comes from, from Ringling Brothers, which is really more elephants less cancer this is what we all need to focus on we need to preserve elephants we need to keep working hard uh, to make sure that elephants stay on the planet and now like we were just discussing we have an even better reason to make sure that they stay around yeah and i think that says it best more elephants less cancer dr Schiffman, thank you so much for joining us and i speak for everyone and we wish you the best of luck in your research because we know that cancer the statistics are terrible and and uh i think anyone any family member or loved one who has a who knows someone diagnosed with cancer would love to hope that this research uh can help their their loved ones and we are working hard day in and day out in fact ringling brothers uh in their efforts they've actually started a fund called the ringling brothers children's fund where uh people can actually donate to help this research to help the elephants and to help us make a difference for children and families with cancer around the world that's that's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Schiffman. I'm Scott Sowers. We were just talking with Dr. Joshua Schiffman about the exciting new breakthroughs that elephants might hold in the war against cancer. And now I have another researcher here who actually works very closely with elephants. In fact, I think she'd probably say that's her day job, day in and day out. I'm joined now by Dr. Wendy Kiso, a research and conservation scientist at the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Center for Elephant Conservation. Thank you so much for joining us on Capitol Hill today, Dr. Kiso. Oh, thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, it's, I mean, anyone in the room today and anyone who's listening, you just hear about all the wonderful research that these scientists are doing to, to help kids and animals battle cancer. Right, so the Ringling Brothers Center for Elephant Conservation, we just start, um, celebrated our 20th anniversary, and we're really proud to be affiliated with this research, especially because our main focus there is for the retirement, reproduction, and the study of the Asian elephant. So we do a number of studies, whether it's behavioral, nutritional, reproduction, but this is like no other, to be able to study using the elephants and to be able to know how they have evolved in such a way in their genes to figure out how they have evolved to have a low incidence of cancer and try to harness that to prevent cancer in humans. So we're really excited that we are partnered up with a, with a lot of institutions, including Dr. Schiffman at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. But we're really excited about what, this is going to, what the future holds for this. So talk a little bit about how your organization is involved with the, with the research and what, what you and your colleagues are doing to help uh, Dr. Schiffman, his team, and the other researchers in this study. Yeah, we're continuously in communications with Dr. Schiffman. We work closely with their laboratory, but also mainly is we have the elephants. We have the largest herd in the Western Hemisphere. So, and this herd consists of 43 individual elephants. So they range in different ages. And also, we have females and males, and we know our pedigree. We know the line, family line. So we we not only monitor their blood on a regular husbandry basis. We collect their blood for you know veterinary purposes or also to look at their hormones for cycling. But on top of this, we collect their blood to learn more of their blood, how the P53 gene, the cancer-resisting gene, how that works in their blood. So this information, we're trying to figure out there's different versions of the P53 gene in their system, so we're trying to figure out which one is ideal to further on with finding the magic pill against the cure for cancer. 
When did this uh, discovery about the p53 gene? How, how long has this been has this been known? Well, the p53 gene it has been known for several decades as far as the gene itself, and that it is a tumor suppressing gene. We call it the gene is a night gene that stops tumor growth. So that has been around, and they know that it's been um, there's many copies in elephants, but we were not able to investigate that further until recently. So it was just more of a um, a great timing issue as far as Dr. Schmidt was presenting. I was at a conference and I just happened to be there representing Ringling Brothers and so that's how the whole connection happened. So we were to able to further this, study this further. So what are the next steps in this research? How are you and your team and the other researchers going to use these discoveries to possibly how they see how they could affect humans and, and just talk about what's What's next? Yeah, as Dr. Schiffman um, described earlier um, during the briefing, right now we're in the process of using this information and hopefully take it to the next step uh, as far as getting a magic pill, going into clinical trials as far as harnessing this into a pill, so to speak, so we could start doing those trials to see whether or not this is going to be true. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your background. How did you get involved with the Center for Elephant Conservation? Have you always been in love with elephants, or have you done research with other institutions? Or Yeah, so actually, D.C. is my hometown, in a sense, I got my um, doctorate in um, environmental science and public policy with the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute and with George Mason University. So I was here. Before that, I was working at an exotic animal training school. Then I got my master's in elephant reproduction at Missouri State University. And after that, I came to uh, Washington, D.C. with the Smithsonian to learn more about elephant reproduction. And so during that time, I was going to the Ringling Brothers Center in Polk City to learn more about elephant reproduction. So I was working there for about 14 years through my research with my master's and Ph.D., and that's how I got into and how I love elephants more so now. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Hill today. Dr. Kiso, welcome home back to D.C. I'm sorry we couldn't give you a little bit nicer weather, but, um, you know, I think... What we're hearing today in the room, though, is, is brightening the spirits of everyone. The rain can't damper that. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back. We've been talking a lot about the how animals could unlock the, the keys for cancer. So we're going to actually shift gears a bit, and we're going to talk about some furry four-legged friends and, and how they're helping some kids with cancer. And here now is one of those researchers. She is not only American Humane Association's National Director of Humane Research and Therapy, she's also the Principal Investigator on American Humane Association's Canines and Childhood Cancer Study. And here to talk a little bit more about that study and some of the breakthroughs they've seen so far is Dr. Amy McCullough. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Talk a little bit about what the study is, what it's doing, and, and where we're at right now. Sure. So the Canines and Childhood Cancer Study, it's a groundbreaking study. It's much needed in this field. We all have seen the benefits of our own pets at home helping us through our tough times. But in hospitals, there's a lot of limitations on where they allow therapy dogs to visit. They're not allowed to visit in certain units, in certain days, not all patients. So our goal is to show through this research study that therapy dogs can help people as they're dealing with hospitalized illnesses. And so today we were joined by not only one of the patients who's in the study, but also one of the therapy dog teams. We had Mighty Mitchell, if you'll see his t-shirt that he's wearing, it's very cute. And then we have therapy dog Swoosh. So talk a little bit about what these guys do when they're, when they're doing their visits at the hospital. 
Sure. So we have enrolled uh, 92 patients so far into our study. So we're on our way to recruiting 132 that we'd like to participate. And so what these sessions look like, we're really looking at three different populations, the effect on the child, the effect on the parents, and the effect of the study on the um, therapy dogs themselves. So once a patient is assigned to the study, they are randomized into either the treatment group where they visit with the dog or the control group. Mitchell is obviously in our treatment group. And so he and Swoosh visited on a weekly basis or regularly when he came in for his visits. And as he was waiting for some of his treatments, he would interact with Swoosh. They would talk, they would play, they would look at Swoosh's photo album. So spending about anywhere between 15 to 25 minutes with Mitchell on a regular basis. So what we're looking at in there is what kind of stress decreases are shown not only for Mitchell but also his parents. And we also would take a saliva sample from Swoosh after each session so that we can measure his stress levels as well. That's a very important aspect of the study. As American Humane Association, one of our utmost concerns is the humane treatment of the animals. So we want to make sure that the dogs are getting something out of it as well. Absolutely. If they could talk and tell us they're having a great time, that would be great. But we're relying on other avenues as well. So not only are we looking at their cortisol levels, but we videotape every session as well so that we can watch them and look for stress signals that the dog might be giving off. Now, the good news is for all of the saliva that we've collected and the videos we've been watching, it all looks very positive. We we take a baseline um, saliva um, cortisol level of each dog before the study starts, and then we compare that baseline to their post-session levels. And so far, it looks like all the participating dogs of the study, none of them have increased stress after visiting with their children that they work with. Well, that's definitely great news. What are the researchers looking for in the ideal therapy dog candidate for the study? The therapy dogs, these are already volunteers at each hospital, but to become a therapy dog, they really have to be a dog that is very comfortable meeting new people and going into strange environments, different smells and sounds that you would see at a hospital that a pet dog may not be normally exposed to. So a dog that really has never met a stranger, likes to spend time with new people, um, is very obedient and calm, depending on how the kiddo's feeling. You know, they might not be able to be very active that day to be calm and just be pet um, while they're visiting. So we're just looking for a dog that is very social and wants to make new friends. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Amy. This is just such an exciting study, and we I know I speak for all of us, and we can't wait to see the research that comes out of this. Great. Yes, we're very excited to have the results. It's looking very positive. That's wonderful to hear, and we definitely want to thank our sponsors of the study, our friends at Zoetis and, the, and Habri, the Human Animal Bond Research Institute. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Thank you. All right, I'm Scott Sowers. This is Be Humane. We're coming at you live from Capitol Hill. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. So when we brought him home, we didn't realize that Bear the Rescue Dog was actually sick. He had very flaky skin. He was dropping a lot of fur. And Lavette wanted to do steroid injections, special dog food. Nothing seemed to work. So I've been hearing Dinovite on the radio for years. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. It never actually crossed my mind to try it until I was just at a dead end. And then it finally sunk in. Oh, you're talking about hair and skin. And all right, (laughs) I'll try it. Well, it took probably six weeks, but after we started using Dinovite, no more flaky skin. He doesn't scratch and itch, and he started to put weight on. It was was awesome. He makes us feel like we saved him. Every rescue dog in America deserves Dinovite for 90 days. I wish that we would have started the Dinovite right away. It would have been so much easier. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Dr. Robin Gansert, and I'm here today from Capitol Hill. And we're celebrating an incredible congressional briefing, a congressional briefing about canines and childhood cancer, our innovative study. I'm here with a very special superstar. His name is Mighty Mitchell. Mitchell, how are you doing today? Good. Good. What are you doing in Washington, D.C.? Well, we're ch- well talking about Swoosh and seeing how he uh, made me feel better. Tell me, who is Swoosh? He's a dog over there. <laughs> He's a real special dog, isn't he? Yep, very much. Do you love him? Yes, I do. It's great. So today you're getting ready to testify before Congress. How does that sound? It sounds great. <laughs> How old are you, Mitchell? Five. Five. And you're already on Capitol Hill. I think you're going to have quite a future. Yeah, I think I am. <laughs> Mitchell, I know that you've been sick for a little bit, haven't you? How are you feeling today? Good. You look great. And tell me, was Swoosh visiting with you in the hospital? Yes, he was. And what did he do with you in the hospital? He made me feel good and played with me. What did y'all like to play? Well, I like to feed him his, like, treats, and that's it. What kind of treats does Swoosh like? Dog food. (laughs) No people food in there? No. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So what are you going to say to members of Congress today about Swoosh and and, uh, and your recovery? Well, way at the beginning, I didn't know what was going on or where I was. So Swoosh made me think I could do it. He made you think you could do it. And you've done it. Yep. Aren't you proud? I am. Well, Mitchell, I am so thrilled and honored, really, to be on Capitol Hill with you today, presenting your story to members of Congress in this innovative briefing hosted by the Humane Bond Caucus. Thank you, Mitchell, for being so brave, for being so courageous. Thank you for being mighty, Mitchell, and telling your story to the world. Thank you. I'm Scott Sowers with Pet Life Radio, and we're coming to you live from Capitol Hill from today's congressional briefing on the healing power of the human-animal bond, where we're talking about pioneering research on cancer in children and animals. And our next guests are two very special people who are the parents of Mighty Mitchell, who is one of the patients in our American Humane Association's Canine Childhood Cancer Study. So I'm here with Joey and Christy Montalbano. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hill today. Thank you for having us. We're thrilled to be up here. Yes, we are honored to be here. Thank you. Talk a little bit about what you what you spoke about on during your speech, you know, just talking about what you've seen with your son being involved with this program. Well, when Mitchell was first diagnosed uh, and in the hospital, um, he became very withdrawn, uh, would not speak, wouldn't play. Just, you know, he he felt terrible and was just very inactive. And then as the the clinic visits came along and and we got to first meet with Swoosh, um, he was still very withdrawn. But by the end of that first encounter, um, he was sitting in a chair next to him and would pet him and and let us take pictures. Uh, When we left that day, he talked about Swoosh the entire way home. um, And it went from, why do I have to go to the doctor and 
have medicine and get pokes to when do I get to go to the doctor so I can play with swoosh. Wow, that's that's just an amazing transformation. You know, it's it's really all about uh, as everyone who's listening knows just how amazing our own pets are, but it's truly heartening to see what they can do or people for young patients who are going through such a tough battle. Oh yeah, and and anyone that goes through a diagnosis like this, uh, it just blindsides you. But uh, to have the peace of mind to be able to. Uh, interact with a dog, not only put him at ease, it put us at ease as parents as well, and just made the experience much, much more enjoyable. And and we don't think he would have done as well with his treatment had he not been able to interact with the dog. So it was just a great experience, and we were just thrilled to be a part of it. Talk a little bit about what a typical visit is like with with Mitchell and with Swoosh and how how that goes and and how everything's set up. Uh, Well, once we arrived at the clinic and uh, would check in, the nurse would come back and get us and take us to a room where they would do Mitchell's vitals, um, and then he would get 15 or 20 minutes to play with Swoosh. Then they would check his vitals again to see, you know, if, if they were lower, and then the nurses would come and get us again and then he would go and um, have his port accessed and then there would be the doctor's appointment and then there would be waiting in the chairs for his chemotherapy to arrive there and and get treatment and you know i've I've seen a few pictures of him and and today we'll have a couple pictures up on our website mitchell has a nice full head of hair so it looks like things are going well for him they're going great he uh, we, we went through a tough six or eight months there where the treatment was pretty intense and that's where we got to interact with swoosh uh, the most and uh we did go through a phase where he he did lose his hair but his hair's come back now he's got great energy and he's back in in school and uh he's playing sports uh, and just being a kid again and so we're we're very fortunate and blessed that he's responded so well and and uh, again we think him being part of the study to uh, interact with Swoosh was a big part of, of his healing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I think, Joey, you said it all, being a kid again. I think that's the ultimate sign for any parent that their kid is doing better, that they're just being who they, they should be all along. So thank you so much, for both of us, for joining us. Uh, you came all the way in from Nashville here to Washington on a bit of a gloomy day, but I think we're hearing some really enlightening, pioneering research today. Thank you. Thank you for thank having you. us. Uh, you just heard from... Joey and Christy Montalbano, who talked about their their young son, Mitchell, who's a real hero, the way he's gone through his his cancer diagnosis and treatment. And I think we've all seen that it's gotten a lot better because of therapy dog swoosh. And our next guests are are a pair of brothers who are actually Mitchell's older brothers who uh, they've seen a lot. They've seen this transformation at home, what Mitchell's gone through since before and, and after he's had swoosh in his life. So here today to talk a little bit about this are Corbin Montalbano and Joseph Montalbano. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So talk a little bit about what it was like when Mitchell first got his diagnosis and kind of what your family was going through and, and what, it, what it was like there. Yeah, so like my mom said earlier, when he was first diagnosed, they um, he wouldn't talk or speak or anything. He was just sitting in his bed. And then I noticed that after he had the therapy sessions with the dog that he actually wanted to go back to the hospital and wanted to see Swoosh. That's amazing. Hey, Joseph, have you had a chance to, to see Swoosh before have you with uh, with Mitchell in the hospital? Well, I've seen him once before. Yeah? What did you see? What did they do when they were in the hospital together? Like, they played together while um, Swoosh was playing with Mitchell while, while he did his, like, chemo thing. Chemotherapy? Yes. 
Okay. So, um, do you guys have dogs at home, or does? Uh, we have one. Dog, yeah. <laughs> it's Mitchell chiming in. What what kind of dog do you have, and what, what's their name? It's a Dotson, and his name's Clyde. He's very vicious. Oh, that's not good. You guys like? Uh, are you guys enjoying your your visit here to to Washington D.C.? Have you been here before? I've never been here before. It's a great city. Me neither. It's really nice here. Yeah, other than the weather, it's it's a really today. It's a really cool city. So I hope you're enjoying your visit. So thank you guys, and uh, and we're definitely pulling for everyone in your family and wishing you guys all the best. Thank you for having us. It's been thank you. And we've spoken a bit today with some of the people involved with American Humane Association's Canines and Childhood Cancer Study. We of course spoke with Mighty Mitchell, his parents, and Dr. Amy McCullough, the principal investigator in the study. And because it's called the Canines and Childhood Cancer Study, we would be amiss if we didn't talk about the canines. And so here now, my next guest is Michelle Thompson, who, along with her therapy dog, Swoosh, they are a registered pet therapy team at Monroe Carroll Jr.'s Vanderbilt Children's Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. And the team goes on these visits, and they help brighten the lives of of some of the patients uh, in the hospital. So thank you so much for joining us on the Hill today, Michelle. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. To talk about how you got involved with the Canines and Childhood Cancer Study with you and Swoosh. Well, I was currently working with the Cancer Children in Vanderbilt Hospital, and then when the study came up, I already had experience with the sick children in that ward, so they thought Swoosh and I would be a perfect partner to be part of the study. Had you been involved with animal-assisted therapy before you got Swoosh, or was it something about uh, him when you got him that you thought he'd be the ideal candidate? I had originally uh, helped train service dogs, and that was a very hard thing to do because, of course, you have to give them up. So it occurred to me I should do something where I don't have to give the dog up. So I had this little dog, and when he turned about three years old, I was like, I just need to share him because he is so sweet. And most therapy dogs are big dogs, and I thought a little fluffy dog would be perfect for children, especially children who fear dogs, which there are quite a few of them still. He's definitely a little a little furball. He got nicely groomed for his visit to the hill today. So talk a little bit about what a typical a typical visit is for you and Swoosh when you're in the hospital. Well, when we're in the hospital, when we do the study, we go to a separate room and we spend 10 specific minutes with a specific child and family. Um, and they have all their blood pressure and everything checked. And then Swoosh also has his mouth swabbed afterwards. And that goes back to testing to the Humane Association. And then when we're through with the one study, we go to the main floor where the rest of the children are getting their treatments. And we just go chair to chair, and we visit, and we hand out Swish has little business cards or stickers, and we talk about their dogs and, you know, what they miss, because a lot of them are in getting treatment from out of state, so they haven't seen their dogs for a while. So that's basically, we just try to make it a nice, cozy setting for them. So what are some of the things that you've seen personally just with what the kids and even Swoosher are getting out of the experience, you know, particularly with, with little Mitchell here? Seems to be that they, it really calms them, creates an unfamiliar environment to appear more familiar. A dog just makes everything seem more homey, I think. And I think that comes across to the children and just having a soft little animal to pet and then we talk about their dogs and I just think it relaxes them, gives them some inner strength as Mitchell has said before and um, it, it lets them go on with their treatments without so much panic. Yeah, and that's, and that's definitely, it's, it's a scary thing for any parent to hear that their child has cancer. But, and there's a lot of different treatments that they have to go through. Some 
very painful. So it's nice to know that they can have something very soft and cuddly like swoosh there to help brighten their day while they're going through their treatment. It is. It is. And when you do it consistently and you have like your regular people, the parents have told me, you know, I used to have to fight to get my child to come to the hospital and get his treatments. Now he can't wait to get here because he knows Swish will be there. So that's just so heartwarming. And it's just everything we're about and why we do it. And that's wonderful to hear. And I, I know I'm I'm sitting here waiting with bated breath, hoping that the, the research reveals that these therapy dogs are a key component of, of the children's treatments and that it is a very positive thing. I think anecdotally we've all observed that, but it's it's nice to hear that we're putting the, the science behind it as well. Exactly. That's, that's what I said also. The anecdotal evidence is just constantly there. So to put it in hardcore data is just fascinating to me too. Thank you so much for all you do, Michelle. We, we really appreciate it. I know the families of the, of the patients as well, and, and I, I think I speak for all of us when I say um, thank you to Swoosh because he's, he's doing a great thing there. Thank you. We're, it's our honor, and we have just met so many amazing people and feel blessed to be able to do this, so thank you. You're very welcome. And I'm Scott Sowers. I'm coming at you live from Capitol Hill, and we'll be right back with Dr. Robin Ganser, who's going to wrap up today's amazing afternoon. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. You love your dog and getting kisses from them. But their breath can be downright stanky. Knock out their smelly breath with Stank Be Gone. Stank Be Gone is made with natural ingredients to eliminate their bad breath while helping to reduce plaque and tartar. Just add a capful to your dog's drinking water. Stank Be Gone is only $19.95. Use promo code STANK to receive a second bottle for just $5. Go to stankbegone.com today. That's stankbegone.com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Friends, today has been a really special treat to be on Capitol Hill with Swoosh the Therapy Dog. Certainly our elephant friends have been in the room, uh, not physically, but certainly been in the room in terms of some amazing discoveries. And also our mighty Mitchell, child who's beaten a cancer diagnosis with therapy dog swoosh. As Congressman Gus Villaraca said, more than one and a half million Americans are diagnosed with cancer each year. And at any given time, there are 40,000 children undergoing treatment and battling for their lives. The toll this takes on American families is really heartbreaking. But as you'll learn today uh, and have heard today, we know that hope is alive and it comes from our friends in the animal kingdom. As we speak, scientists are coming up with new advances in pioneering research, including the development of new drugs and innovative use of interventions involving animal genes and animal therapy. You may have seen the recent cover story in Time magazine about cancer in elephants. And did you know that these elephants have many more times the number of cells as you or me, but they really don't get cancer? Amazing discoveries that are really, I think, leading a path to new discoveries in 
our war against cancer. And of course, we've been delighted to speak to Mighty Mitchell and Dr. Amy McCullough, my colleague at American Humane Association. Dr. McCullough is our National Director of Humane Research and Therapy, and she and her team are now in their fifth year of our Canines and Childhood Cancer Clinical Study, sponsored by Zoetis. This study seeks to document scientifically the long-suspected effectiveness of therapy dogs to help children with cancer and their families. Two years ago, we were on Capitol Hill making headlines with the launch of the full clinical trial, and we're wrapping up the clinical trial this year. So it was a really special time for us to bring Mitchell to Capitol Hill and his family to talk about this life-saving and life-affirming therapy intervention. You know, the joy and comfort that the therapy dogs like Swoosh bring to our little heroes is truly heartwarming. A very special shout-out today for Swoosh and the therapy dogs that are participating in Canines and Childhood Cancer, our groundbreaking clinical trial around the country in children's hospitals. And, you know, a big shout-out especially to Mitchell. I know I speak for everyone here that we commend him for his bravery and his courage. And we're pulling for him and the 40,000 other kids facing a cancer diagnosis and undergoing cancer treatment right now. We can't wait to share with the world the results of the full clinical trial of canines and childhood cancer early next year. Today has been a powerful reminder of the importance of the humane bond, and that's why we at American Humane Association are working with Congressional Humane Bond Caucus in its continued efforts to educate Congress about the need to strengthen and celebrate the life-affirming life-saving bond between people and the creatures of the earth. Thanks to everyone today who joined us on Capitol Hill, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. This is your host, Dr. Robin Gansert. Join us next week for a very special episode of Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Remember this week and every week to be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.